Well, good morning. A couple of tributes to our fellow fallen broadcasters as the mm -hmm. other Michael Jackson dies. Mm -hmm. Tegna and Apollo, that deal is heating up, and my hunch is Byron Allen is P.O.'d, major pissed off. <laughs> An AM radio station sells in San Francisco, and we don't want to dwell on AM's demise, but we're going to. We will. Good morning. We're back with another edition of Media Insultants. Uh, this is our opinions and comments that we do every week. In Seattle, I'm Jackson Weaver, and in Southern California, my co-host, Keith Samuels. So, yes, today, without commercial interruption, we may ramble on a few minutes, but there won't be any commercial interruption. We welcome you to the Tuesday, January 25th episode of Media Insultant. Keith, sometimes... I just don't like us. I mean, <laughs> I love you. What do you mean you don't like us? Uh, come on. Well, we love this business, but the truth is, at the same time, we see it dying. I mean, uh, and we call the business for what it is all all too often. It, it's not as if our brethren in the business don't understand what's going on. I mean, radio is trading water, as you know. TV is all distorted by retrans, and digital has redefined what you and I really talk about as local media, right? Right. Yeah. So I'm just looking for a way forward. Is it uh, geotargeting with radio? Is it next gen with TV? Or oh, yeah. do we have to get the DOJ to break up Facebook and Google? Because the truth is, it ain't ever going to be the same again, right? Yes, and even if if the government does break up Google and Facebook, and you know they have to sell off, you know all those things that uh, they package together like Instagram and TikTok and um, you know uh, uh, YouTube. What we're seeing right now, and, and certainly the first part of this year, it's becoming very evident that a lot of people in radio didn't make back in 2021 what they lost in 2020 because of the government lockdowns over COVID. Uh, we saw the massive uh, uh, layoffs in Honolulu for Summit Media, you know, a, a mid-sized broadcaster, but they fired half the staff in Honolulu. And, you know, we've since gotten some background information on the fact that the market is just getting crushed because of the government actions. So it's not surprising that somebody like Summit, who has to compete against iHeart there, really got slammed. So they had to do something drastic, let a lot of people go, including the, the two senior managers there. And then here we see in San Francisco where Odyssey unloads an AM station, you know, for 450 grand. It's like, you know, it's wham money. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's nothing. When you consider that that station, KGMZ AM, and, you know, its prior incarnations, um, you know, was, was bought by Group W from Beasley for $14.2 million 30 years ago. No, it wasn't. You know, that's what AM either. stations used to be worth. And an average rate AM station, that was an elite market leader at the time, never right. has been. Right. But now it goes for $14 million, you know, and now today it goes for four fifty k. I mean, you know, you could put that on your Amex. <laughs> well, let's be clear. It wasn't Beasley. It was Buckley. Buckley. Oh, Buckley. Sorry. Old Buckley. Buckley. Yes, Buckley. Yeah, Sorry. Buckley owned it. And for a while, interestingly, they changed the call letters to KPIX because Group W owned TV station. Uh, I don't remember the channel. I think it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> KPIX channel, uh, their TV station. So they yes, KPIX. Yes. KPIX, yeah. right. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, then, and then, you know, Group W bought, bought Westinghouse and then Westinghouse became Infinity CBS and, you know, on you go. And then just this last week, we find out news 
that that Odyssey San Francisco fired nine more people last week. So you you know okay, four hundred fifty grand is going to go to the bottom line, I guess. Now you save money on nine people's salaries that got let go last week. You know we're finding we're we're beginning to see where the real financial stress is in radio and in television, but particularly radio. Uh, and and this is just another one of these examples where you know the, 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 they're just not making their numbers and they're just losing too much money and they've got to do something about it. Yep, and uh, we're, they're all hoping that uh, 2019 reappears this year, and I don't know if it will or not on the radio side of things. TV, that's another thing. But So the bigger getting bigger, Keith. Um, Apollo is back oh, in the yeah. hunt for Tegna. They have an offer now for about $9 billion. And, uh, and, and Byron Allen has also, his Allen Media has been desperate to buy Tegna because he needs to bulk up. And uh, you can bet he is going to be squawking. But I haven't heard a word from him. Have you heard anything? Not, not since this story was announced. Um, so that tells me he's trying to find more money. You know, so or you know, just just kind of figuring out where to go next. But I'm sure we'll hear from him this week. But this this is a this is you know we we read about this. We were hearing about it. Yeah, that's a big deal. Da da da. But you know, we did the station comps last week in, in prepping for this conversation today. Right. And and. The combination. This would make Apollo the major player in station ownership groups yeah. in the television side of things. This is a big frickin' deal, and it takes what was a humble television group, Cox, that Apollo owns, and turns it into a mega television group. Even and and, and you know, really, when you think about it, when you Tegna brings in their seventy stations, there's only five markets where there's a an overlap. And I thought there was, you know, I thought that, well, wow, that's a pretty clean deal. They can, and maybe Byron will pick up the five well, spins. That's what I was going to say, Byron <laughs> will pick up those five, and he'll be in Atlanta and Spokane and Seattle and Memphis and a couple of other markets. And not bad. That's not a bad group, you know. No, you know, it's yeah. not what he wants. And and but if he can't come up with the money, I guess it's kind of academic. So, you know, and you're right. It makes them. It will make them. I believe the number one billing group in the country with yeah, the techno yeah. now. The real question is, is the FCC going to bless it? I'm not so sure they're going to roll over on that. What's your feeling? Uh, they will bless it with some concessions, right? Yeah. And that is you've got to move some of these markets. Now, if you look at the list, uh, just at a quick glance, you'll notice that, that this combination of, of Cox's media properties. and Well, the other thing they're doing is they want to, Paulo kept saying, I think, in the first release that they're going to manage Cox separately, that they'll be managed as separate groups. I don't see that happening. I see them being one big mega group. Uh, and this mega group will own television stations in every town in Idaho, for example. Okay, Not to mention Washington between the Tri-Cities and, and Spokane and, and Seattle. Uh, but they'll own everything in, in Idaho. So there might be some things, well, that's a little too much. You know, Maybe that's a little heavy in that state. And they, they'll spin off you know, Idaho Falls or they'll spin off Twin Falls or whatever they'll do. You know, I think I think it'll get done. Um, it, you know, and uh, and I think I think as we are seeing that television groups need to have this kind of size. They need to have the big national footprints to be able to compete for uh, you know for ad dollars, but also to be able to compete uh, you know functionally and expense wise with the big cable networks. So, you know, they'll have their own news networks. They, you know, we saw CBS announced their new streaming news channel. Um, you know, the groups are now going to be bigger than the television networks, and the groups will be doing their own nets. 
if you yeah, will. I think I think um, retrans negotiation is critical. You got to have call, you got to have clout to be able to, to negotiate that, or the networks are just going to take it and say, "Have a nice life." You know. Yeah. So if you're if you're, if you're a group of fifteen or twenty television stations, and you're going to not only the retrans guys, you're going to Comcast and 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 Spectrum Charter and all those guys, and you're trying to do that, you're going to go. You know what? You can take your fifteen markets and see ya. You know, we'll right. live without you. Have right. fun. Right. Now you've got now you've got uh, you know over seventy markets, and now it's more of a problem for the cable company than it is for the for the uh, for the broadcaster, and that that does flip that negotiating power lever in a big way. Well, there's no better time for the a deal like this to get done. There's plenty of money out there. Uh, there's a lot of M and A blood in the water. So I think you're right. Financially, I think it'll get done. I do think the FCC is going to put some pretty pretty tight constraints on some of them. But at the end of the day, the big get bigger, and there's not much we can do about it. You know? That's right. That's right. And, and speaking of the FCC, you know, hey, media consultants are tracking on the countdown clock because Cox has three weeks to sell those stations in Florida. So And not a word. Not, not a word. Nada. So you Keith, see there have always there. been two Michael Jacksons. You know, there was the one who moonwalked. And the and also the other one who hosted LA radio for decades. There's a growing repugnance at the prospect of war, any war. General, we're told that the Warsaw Pact nations could overwhelm the NATO battalions. But our forces are nuclear equipped. So then if that should occur, what will we do? Hand them over or fire them all? So we have callers who would like to share their concerns with you. Listen to the radio station that listens to you. You grew up listening to him. What, what's your impression of Michael Jackson, the radio Michael Jackson? Yeah, well, Michael was Michael was the was the um, Mr. Jackson. But you know, was was the consummate interviewer. He was an extraordinary interviewer. Um, he is the, the probably the type of interviewer that all those guys on late night PBS like to uh, emulate. You know how to. Be, but but Michael was erudite in the sense that he had a British accent. And was very intellectual. Was very, but he, but he was also, you know, kind of a common man type guy in that he didn't go over your head. And uh, and and back in the day, back in the in the sixties and seventies, when AM radio, the dinosaurs of AM radio, were lumbering around the earth, and not only had the most listeners, but also the most revenue. And, and, and Michael was on KABC AM in Los Angeles. And KBC was a monster station. They had guys like John and Ken in the morning. And they had Michael Jackson midday. And then they had the Dodgers. And if you had the Dodgers then, I mean, I knew reps at KABC back in that day. And they couldn't get out of the way of the money. I mean, they made a fortune in ad commissions because that's where all the listeners were. And um, and Michael Jackson was one of the one of the cornerstone you know, personalities on that radio station. I think he was in the business for four decades. Yeah. I mean, it was just an incredible run. But he was just a, you know, for his time, you know, this was just before talk radio and the Fairness Doctrine was dropped and talk radio and the opinion radio took over. Michael Jackson was prior to that, and it was about information radio. It was about getting the news and the story out. And, um, and and I think he was one of the greatest broadcasters that ever lived, and certainly one of the absolutely one of the greatest interviewers I've ever heard. And um, um, 
and, and very British and made us feel really, we, we, you felt like you learned something after you listened to Michael's show. Um, so, you yeah, know, sad news. I, I didn't even know he was still alive. That's, that's what's so sad about it because he's been ill and, and he was at 40 at 87, but, uh, um, you know, God bless him. He was a, he was a great, um, uh, gift to, uh, to radio and certainly a great gift to radio in Los Angeles. Yeah. A real class act. No question about it. Mm -hmm. Well, there's another uh, passing that I want to talk about. This is actually a personal story and about a guy that I don't think anybody's heard of in this group, you know, at least on Media in Salt. And you never saw anything about him in the trades. It was a guy I worked with for a brief period of time in Salt Lake City. Uh, he wasn't slick in any way. He was a Texas boy, came out of El Paso, and he mm. owned a radio station in Salt Lake City Cargo, KRGO. It was an AM at 1550. Mm. And it was perennially the second or third country station in the market. Uh, Gene, though, was, was smart, very creative, and he was tenacious if he believed in something, which is to say he could be very stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he loved radio and that damn radio station, and frankly, he just couldn't get a break. Mm. But, uh, you know, he hired me um, at some point to kind of class up the joint, or that's what he said. You know, I drove a BMW and wore suits. And he wore polyester slacks with cigarette holes in them and drove an old Maverick. So he, I thought I could make a difference. And I'll tell you, if there's one thing I thank Gene for, he taught me you can't change people or business culture unless it's from the top. Mm. Culture is defined by who runs and owns an organization. And that was a very hard early lesson for me to, to learn. Because, I was, frankly, I was a dud at the job. I didn't turn sales around immediately, which I think he expected. And he wouldn't stop wearing polyester slacks. So, so at the end of the day, you know, we, we agreed to, um, to go our, our ways. But it was interesting. Kind of one of the fun things he did is um, after I left, he changed the format to oldies. And he changed the call letters to KRPN. And then what he did is a very inside kind of a thing. He promoted the oldies station, this oldies station, as WKRP like the TV show, and just dropped the N. <laughs> he didn't say the N unless it was on the station ID at the, at the top of the hour. So, Gene How'd that work? Had, yeah, well, you know, they, they, as I said, you never could get a break with that station. Oh. Mm. He always wanted to be one of the big guys in town, and uh, with the proliferation of groups, he fell further and further behind. He died in Utah over the weekend at, mm. at age of 83, and all I can say is, Gene, rest in peace. You know, you you done good, and I learned a lot from you. So, all right, enough about me, Keith. And all right, prayers up, prayers up for Gene and uh, and that generation that he represents of uh, of radio pioneers that uh, not only were great entrepreneurs but had a passion and a and a and a fire in the belly to uh, you know to make a difference. They really did, and and you know we were lucky enough to go uh, in part in major part of our career to work with these guys. They were the mm -hmm. backbone of the business. Lots of interesting characters, lots of interesting stories, and Gene was one of them, and I was uh, sad to see that he died, but glad I got to know him. All right. My stories will continue, probably ad infinitum, so will yours, but let's not do it anymore today. We're done. Again, Thursday, uh, we'll get together, and we will promise to limit the rambling about the old days. So, Keith, thanks for joining me. Go have a good week. You too, Boomer. Have a good one.